Hello there, I'm Ilitsa Nikova and welcome to Staykeeper's new podcast. Staykeepers is a prop tech platform that creates value for residential and commercial institutional owners, so thank you so much for tuning into our one-stop shop for all things real estate, uh, built-to-rent and, of course, the latest innovation in the property technology world. For more information about Staykeepers, please check our website at staykeepers.com or simply follow us on Twitter at Staykeepers. In this episode, I am joined by Nick Castleman, Vice President of one of the largest providers of commercial real estate digital news and events across North American Europe, BizNow. An economics graduate from the University of Bristol, Nick has moved across the pond to embark on an exciting career journey in the real estate sector, dealing with the growth of a media company in a relatively short period of time, juggling his workload across several time zones and reshaping B2B events in times of crisis. Well, he's got it all covered. So, ladies and gents, please welcome Nick Castleman. Hi, Nick, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Ellie. So, um, first of all, thanks so much for having me uh, on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be on. Pleasure is all mine. And uh, thank you very much for agreeing to this interview on Skype rather than face-to-face, following the social distancing rules in place. So, tell us, how was Easter? Did you spend it at home or you were in the States? Uh, no, so I was, um, I've been spending... Uh, lockdown uh, in the countryside, uh, uh, my mum's house in, in Bedfordshire. I don't know if you know Bedfordshire, but it, it seems to be the one county in the UK that nobody's heard of. It's just north of, uh, of London, about an hour and a half drive north of London. And I've been um, reclined here since the lockdown really kicked off and spent Easter here with my mum and my sister, which was very nice and, and relaxing. Well, it sounds like you had a lovely catch-up time with the family. And hopefully manage to squeeze in some time off work. Speaking of which, now I know you've been with Biznow for quite some time. So can you tell us how did the opportunity to work at Biznow come about, Nick? Yes, it's quite a funny story. So when I was 21, uh, as one does when I was 21, me and my best friend from school, who I'd been at boarding school with in the UK, decided that we were going to do everything in our ability to go to New York. And we were 21 we had to go to the Big Apple. We started doing some research and I essentially hit up every contact I knew to see if anybody knew anybody in New York that was offering work placements for the summer. And I was introduced to Will Friend, who's the CEO of BizNow Media, and they were looking for interns. I, I had a Skype call with him, just like we're doing now. To be completely honest, I, I knew nothing about commercial real estate. I also knew nothing about media. Uh, but any opportunity I was going to get to go to New York, I would have taken it with both hands. And I had a great call with Will. He seemed like a, a very interesting guy. The company sounded really exciting. And I took them up on the offer to intern there for the summer. And the next thing I knew, I was in New York with my friend uh, working at this this cool office in Manhattan. I'd previously done all my work experience in the UK in sort of corporate banks. I'd, I'd done stuff at Standard Chartered, Barclays, various boutique private equity firms. And then I found myself in New York, like everyone in the office was between the age of 20 and 35. They were wearing laid back clothes. There was this amazing energy in the office um, that I just never experienced before. Um, And as I got more familiar with the business over the summer and what they did, I already had a passion for events. I knew really quickly that this was the sort of business that when I was done with my studies, I wanted to work with. Um, And when I was doing my finals, I sort of naively got in touch with our COO, um, sent them an email just before Christmas um, saying that 
I was going to be finishing and graduating um, in June on the other side and wondering if they had any job opportunities that I could apply for. And what I didn't know is that Will had just taken the business through a private equity acquisition. We'd just been acquired by a boutique private equity firm in New York called The Wix Group that invests in content companies. And Will wanted to grow the business internationally. And they invited me for uh, a Skype call, got on the call with them. And Will was like, look, we're growing into the UK. We need somebody to launch the business into the UK and you're going to do it. And I was just flabbergasted. I was just like, I cannot believe this. I haven't even left university yet. And I had the, the pleasure of launching the business into the UK with Natasha, who's essentially been my partner here since day one. And, and that's outside it. Essentially, look, they couldn't send one of the American sales reps over to London to sell. That just wouldn't work with the accent. So I was the only guy they knew with an English accent. They didn't really have a choice but to offer me a job. And, and next thing I knew, I was, I was in London with Natasha launching a business. And it's been an absolute whirlwind of a ride, but um, incredible, uh, incredibly enjoyed it so far. And, and we've loved every bit of it. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but for four years... You've managed to progress from an intern to the vice president of the company, right? And going back to what you said, you knew nothing about real commercial estate or media, and yet here you are. So what attracted you to the company? I've always been passionate about and interested in marketing, and it was the marketing side of the business and, and the content side of the business, both online through news and offline through events, that really attracted me to it. Uh, commercial industry happens to be the industry that I think needs our sort of content the most. So it goes hand in hand. Um, that was the part that really attracted me. What I've learned and as I've, as I've evolved into the role and I've been working for business for four, net, four years now is that I've, I've increasingly like had an interest in commercial real estate and now would say that I am passionate about it. Okay, so let's talk about commercial real estate then. Commercial real estate is such a big part of everybody's lives. They go to the office, they go for a drink, they go to a casino potentially on the weekends, they go to the golf club, they need dentist centers because they need to capture their data line. It touches such almost like every part of our life. It's hard not to find a part of your life um, when there isn't a scenario like that that isn't touched by commercial real estate. And for me, seeing the industry evolve, evolve over the years to the changing adaptations and the changing desires of the occupiers and the tenants that use it is a really, really interesting thing. Um, and thinking about like what the office is going to look like in a couple of years, you know, um, what's it going to look like of coronavirus and seeing how the industry can adapt so quickly to those things has been the thing that I've learned to love about commercial real estate. Right. And talking about changing and adapting, would you say that it was difficult for you to adjust to the American culture? Um, what did you learn whilst working in corporate America? Working for an American business, I feel incredibly grateful for. Um, Americans particularly have um, an incredible ability, sales and marketing ability. And they sell in a very different way to what Brits and people in the UK do. And they really see sales as an art. And I think sometimes in the UK, um, People almost like turn their nose up at sales and marketing. And the reality is, is that, you know, if you can get your sales team right and you can drive revenue, it's really as valuable as anything. And that's no discredit to any other part of our business. And, and I feel blessed to have been taught how to do my job by Americans. They also work incredibly hard, which is 
um, always been, I'd like to think has been um, a nature of mine, which I resonate with. And another thing about America that I like that I was torn to when I got there is that like the American dream is very much real. There isn't a class system in the States like there is in the UK. So anyone can be anything. Uh, and if they hustle and they work hard and they deliver, they eventually will get there. And I really like that. And when you go to New York, you can just sense that in the air. Never been, but like yourself and many others, I suppose, I've always wanted to feel the buzzing, exciting energy of New York. And uh, what's also exciting, Nick, is BizNow's numbers. Now, recently, I read that through the numerous events and webinars you've organized, your client base has reached more than half a million online subscribers. How did you achieve that? And what do you think makes BizNow stand out from the rest? So look, there, there are a couple of things. You know, first things first, we are a free media platform. So a lot of the competition within the commercial real estate media space is subscription-based model. Um, so naturally, when you're a free publication, you should have a larger reach than that. And currently our reach is at 615,000 uh, subscribe readers on a daily basis. That being said, if the quality of your content is not unique and to a high standard nobody's going to subscribe to your news and even if they do they'll eventually unsubscribe so i think there are a couple of things that go with that um when we built the company we really did want to report on the sector in a different way to our competition and i would like to think that if you go to biz now uh, it's got a more contemporary feel to it we obviously write about the journalistic the hard-hitting stuff the deals the capital market side of things but then you're going to see articles on our website that I don't think the other media publications will cover. You know, like if Elon Musk is putting solar panels on roofs, that relates to commercial real estate in one way or another. It definitely helps the, the future in energy and sustainability. And we will report about that stuff. Um, so we report on everything from the serious stuff to the more obscure stuff, given that it relates to commercial real estate. Um, and people like that. I think they like the um, the contemporary and at times humorous style to the way that we report. And we would never be able to reach for subscription base. We've got and keep them engaged if you didn't keep the content fresh and original. Um, another part of it is understanding your customers. One of the benefits of being free and operating at that scale is obviously the data that you collect on those that read your news. And if you understand who's reading your content, what sort of content they're engaging with, you eventually can start to feed them content that you know they should be interested in, which is where really the future is for biz now. And I think where we're getting much better at. Right. But what about now? Will you say that the current situation with the coronavirus outbreak affects the numbers and the business in general? Great question. So there are, there are two parts of it. And I would say there are, there are, there are pros and their cons to the coronavirus outbreak. I'll start with the cons. Obviously, as a physical events business that produces, we, we were planning to do 315 events a year, and we would have had over 100,000 attendees. And there are events that range from 150 to 1,000 people in attendance in local uh, real estate markets across North America and Europe. Now, obviously, any event that we had planned between March and the end of June, end of July, and now it's really critical, depending market by market, if we take London as an example, I don't think we're, there's a really good chance we won't be able to host events until September. That's a, a ton of recognized revenue, both through ticket sales and sponsorship, that, that's just gone. Um, it's either been postponed into later to in, the, in the year, or it's been canceled, or it's been digitized, right? So that in that element, it's a real, real challenge. The other side of it is that 
we are we're blessed and we're fortunate that we have a digital media business and we have the largest reaching digital media business within our industry uh, across the markets that we operate in. The sad reality of when a crisis breaks out is that website traffic soars and we broke our website traffic record ever last week globally. And I think we'll continue to see those sort of trends. So engagement with online uh, increases. Obviously engagement doesn't necessarily mean revenue, but it's the start of the funnel. Um, and it definitely uh, you know, encourages one to, to innovate and think creatively about how we can continue to provide value for the industry without hosting physical events. The other thing that's good about it is that those that are spending on marketing, whoever may they be, and get, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of companies out there who will be slashing their budgets. On the other hand, there are some companies out there that are really well positioned to take advantage of the opportunity. The only means for them to market is through online. And it doesn't matter whether it's through email, through website, through social media, they have to go online to do that. And as an online business, you know, that again creates opportunity. Thank God we're not a print business and a physical events business because then we'd be in serious trouble. Do you then think that the fact that BizNow is a digital media business has somehow cushioned the impact of the coronavirus outbreak? Did you have to reshape your business model, for instance? I wouldn't say we've reshaped our business model because the the digital news element and the digital campaigns and solutions that we're running, they haven't changed at all and there's no need for them to change. Um, what we have done is obviously we've had to uh, cancel or postpone physical events that I touched on. But beyond that, you know, when the outbreak came about, and I think it was March 16th, I think I remembered being, that was like the day in the UK that things really pivoted. We thought, you know, how can we continue to connect the industry? Um, make them feel connected with one another, provide valuable, insightful leadership content and help the industry do more business, which ultimately is our mission. Webinars were the obvious way to do that. The beauty with a webinar is that you can see each other and you'll see companies, they're doing like happy hours by webinars, they're doing business meetings by webinars. And the nice thing I have to say, at least one of the positives that's come of this is that when you take a Zoom meeting with a client, you're seeing them. And often when you're in the office, like you're on the phone, you don't see them. And there is a different level of connection when I think you see somebody. And we appreciated that with the webinars. And we thought, right, this is really going to be the way that people connect um, and they consume information uh, on a big scale over the coming months. So we put together a webinar series of 500 across North America and Europe. Essentially, in each market we're in, we're producing two webinars a week, one on a Tuesday, one on a Thursday. The webinars are free to subscribe to. Anyone can sign in. And look, it's all about providing insightful information to the industry as of right now, provided by leaders um, that the industry looks up to and values their opinion. And so far, it's been really good. We're averaging anywhere between 500 to 2,500 signups per webinar. And that's been our solution um, to answer your question. But we haven't necessarily changed business processes because all of the processes were there in the first instance to deliver events at scale, just in a physical state, we've pivoted that to doing it in a webinar state. But the digital media and the reporting side of our business and the newsletter side has stayed exactly the same. And uh, Nick, how do you think your clients are just switching from face-to-face -face social interaction to purely relying on digital platforms as means of communication? a really good question. I think it depends client to client. Um, there are some clients that they like physical events and there's nothing wrong with that. And they like shaking people's hands and having that personal connection. So they will 
stick to doing events and they'll ride out the storm and they'll wait for the events to happen. On the other hand, there are some clients that really, really want to activate online now, immediately now. And if you think about, if I touch on, for example, law firms and accountants, like like employment, anyone who's dealing with employment law, force majeure, disputes between landlords and tenants, anything around the furlough scheme. Uh, and then on the accounting side, anyone to do with business restructuring, insolvency, administration, loan negotiations, et cetera. There are parts of the industry and services that are really in demand now. There's a business we were speaking to who uh, launched a couple of weeks ago called Aerated, who measures the, the quality of the air within your buildings. Now, something like that, quite candidly, within the next couple of months could become the most in-demand rating system for the commercial real estate as a whole, right? Connectivity and well-being and, and productivity and the sustainability standards of buildings are important. But if the air quality of the buildings is not on point and people don't feel healthy being in it, some landlords may not be able to open their buildings again. So again, a business like that could scale hugely. So to answer your immediate question, I think it depends client to client. Some clients have their ways, that's fine. Most clients I'd say have been relatively reciprocal to the change in the way that they have to market their business and have been willing to look at online stuff if they weren't doing it already or double down on online stuff if that was already a big part of the way they market. And what about you, face-to-face or digital? I like a combination of both. I personally am, am passionate and really fascinated in digital marketing. And if somebody told me you could do digital marketing and and work with clients on their digital campaigns and nothing else forever, I probably would take them up on the offer. That being said, like I hugely miss being in the office with my team. I hugely miss the engagement you have. I miss meeting clients face to face you it doesn't matter how good your your zoom call is you can't build the same connections with clients and there's also with events if if you get a really good event and the right people are there and you've got great speakers there's a vibe that you can get an event it's just like a party right there's just an energy in the room um and some of our events in london have that and you you can't beat that and that i do i do miss at all and what is business position on working from home has that been considered a challenge for our business as a whole, pivoting to working from home and everyone working remotely is not a problem at all. We were all set up to do our jobs remotely before this. So that hasn't been a problem. Nick, can you then describe your working from home daily routine? I'm sure our listeners will be really interested to hear about your coping strategy. My, my working from home structure is probably like exactly not what to do because I um, I tend to take back-to-back Zoom calls between the hours of like 8.30 and 6 and don't leave my desk for any exercise. I have lunch whilst I'm on a call and then go and have a beer or a glass of wine. So I don't know if the experts on well-being would agree with my stance. I have to say one thing that I do do, exercising in the morning first thing is just the best thing that you can do because for a couple of reasons. One is that you get up a bit earlier and you go for a run or you do some skipping. That's what I do. I love skipping. And you at least feel like you've achieved something before your working day has begun. So you immediately feel like you've got off to the right foot. A second thing I, I personally find, and this changes person to person, but my most productive hours of working are definitely in the morning hours. And I find that my productivity uh, between the hours, of, I tend to exercise between like 6.30 and 7. And then I'll start my working day at about 7.38. But my productivity between those hours and lunchtime just goes through the roof if I've exercised before. And then I find that I actually get all my stuff done throughout the day because I'm more productive 
and come the evenings, I can relax and spend time with my family or speak to friends on the phone. So look, I'm not going to pretend like I've got the perfect working from home lifestyle because it's probably exactly some of the things that one shouldn't do. But I definitely think that exercising in the morning uh, makes a big difference to me personally. And I think it would for some others. Right. So exercise, boost your productivity and make sure you switch over at the end of the day. By the way, I fully agree with your glass of wine at the end of the day point. I'm with you on that one. But Nick, hopefully we won't be in this situation for far too long. I mean, at some point we'll need to return to our normal routines or shall I say we'll need to find our new normal. But what do you think that will be and will the after effects of the coronavirus be damaging for the industry? I think there's there's for, there's for short term and the long term. I think long term, um, and obviously it depends depends on your definition of long term, but let's say as of spring 2021, or I should say, as soon as they find a vaccine and they can uh, distribute the vaccine en masse to the country, I think that's ultimately when things will go back to normal. My hope is that by that time, with the events world, nothing would have changed. You know, we will go back to the normal. I think that people in real estate, um, real estate is very much a relationships or industry that's built on thousands of characters from every walk of life and they like connecting with each other. So I don't think it will change demand for event businesses within the real estate space. Um, and if anything, I hope that when a vaccine's found and when people can go back to being events and they feel um, safe and secure to do that, I think you could see a surge in people wanting to do that because I think people miss, deeply miss connecting with each other um, and meeting with new people, etc. So, you know, when that time happens, it could be a good thing. In the time up until then, there's there's a very good chance that networking events and B2B conferences may just not happen, in which instances businesses really need to think about how they can innovate and connect with their audience on a meaningful level through other platforms. I'm sure there will be other ways that come up over the coming months as, as technology helps us, but webinars are the obvious solution to do that. Yeah, that's how I think uh, things will, will, will play out and why and how I think events businesses should probably think about the coming six to 12 months. Do I sense some positive vibes? Look, I think you've always got to be... One thing, that, one thing that's true, and we had James Kahn from uh, his CBE. He's from... Many people know him from Dragon's Den today, speaking on a webinar of ours today. And he, he invests in a lot of real estate tech businesses and recruitment business. And he said something that really caught my attention, which was that... Times like these create opportunities that will never happen in a good market. And you have to find a way to make the most of it. Look, for luckily for our business right now creates an incredible opportunity to win market share. So I'm optimistic in that regard. As it relates to commercial real estate as a whole, I think there are parts of the industry that will actually fare relatively well, if not do better as a result of this. And then there are parts of the industry that sadly, this, this, this outbreak has really shown some cracks in their models, um, and I think accelerated the pace at which their business models um, become questioned. Um, so it depends business to business, but I, I'm naturally an optimist, and I think you've got to look to the future and, and look at the positives, because there's no point in looking back or dwelling or feeling down about the current crisis all day, every day. You'd just be beat up and hating your job if you did that. Thank you, Nick. That's been really reassuring. And I think it will also be interesting to hear from our listeners how they think the current situation may impact the future of the commercial real estate industry. So please, please send us your thoughts.
Now, Nick, it was great to have you here today. So thank you so, so much for joining us. Your passion for things real estate and your positive outlook on life will hopefully inspire our listeners to find ways to make the necessary adjustments in order to accommodate the changing needs of their business in these, how shall I say, um, strange times. Well, thank you, Ellie, for having me. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that was somewhat insightful. Um, And yeah, stay healthy, uh, stay safe and, and have a lovely day. Well, ladies and gents, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast and let us know what you think in the comment section below. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed speaking to Nick Castleman. If you're curious to see what the buzz around real estate webinars is all about, go check BizNow's webpage at biznow.com. And don't forget, you can still reach out to your community from the safe confinement of your home with just the click of your mouse. So stay at home and be safe.